Dane, stop riding the perfect man. Brock has to kill him now. Aw, can't we keep him? Yeah, Dad, can't we? We'll feed the perfect man and, and clean up after him and everything. Super swear. Please. No, he's an abomination. Go ahead, Brock. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Venture Bros, Venture Bros Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Brian Dressel. With me, as always, is Graham Cracker Mason. Hello. And Nick, I eat crackers. You you hate crackers? I said I eat, eat crackers, but yeah. Do I you, mean, I actually do kind of hate graham crackers. You the hate regular them? ones. Why? They're just the worst. They're stupid and terrible. And How tasty. are they stupid? What the fuck does that even mean? They're, they're dumb. Have you ever talked to one or have... <laughs> Ha- fair- tried to have a conversation with one? Fair point. I- I've only just eaten them. I've never actually talked to them. Yeah, so they're dumb. Uh, but the chocolate ones are pretty good, so I'll give them those. What about the cinnamon ones? Those were always my favorite. Cinnamon's okay. Mm-hmm. But, like, the regular, just, like, honey one, just... Why? I mean, you are supposed to eat them instead of masturbating. Science! Look them <laughs> up. Uh, we also have Nick Oreo Olas Friedemann. I also hate graham crackers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the support. No problem. Outside of crust, they are useless, tasteless, cardboard, <laughs> masquerading as food. Yep. Taking a real hard stance against graham crackers. Yeah. I mean, you can use them like to hold stuff, like s'mores. That's totally fine. Yeah. But... Yeah, you know what nobody says about s'mores? My favorite part is the graham cracker. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anyone boldly declare their favorite part of a s'more. Because it's obviously the marshmallow. <laughs> I'd say it's obviously the chocolate. See, this is why nobody does this. But still, that's fine. Chocolate or marshmallow, that's totally acceptable. You know what? Fuck it. Graham I cracker. The graham cracker. No. I love no, the graham you're, cracker. <laughs> no, you're wrong. You're we, wrong. We know this is a lie. <laughs> I'd say prove it, but you can't. So prove it. I did say it. There we are. And this is where this episode has gone. <laughs> <laughs> to a graham cracker hole. <laughs> uh, all right, we should get started talking about the episode of the day, which mm. is Escape. I'm forgetting the full title again. Fuck. <laughs> es- Escape to the House of Mummies Part 2. Correct? Yeah. I always yes. said Return to the House of Mummies. I don't know why, but that's always just kind of where my head went. I think that might. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That might be Part 3. I thought it was no, just part part three is the robot cannon. Yeah. I uh, We should just get started. That, that's gonna be the yeah. way to do this. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like how do I even segue into this? You don't. Um especially with this episode. So uh Nick, yeah. I think you did last week. Graham, do you want to tell us everything that happens in this episode really quick? <laughs> sure. everything that happens. Yeah, uh, uh do the best you can. <laughs> Yeah, really, honestly, broad stroke it. There is no... <laughs> that's, yeah, with this episode, I think that's really kind of what she got to do. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of what they did in the episode. All right. <laughs> so the recap is uh, of part one. Uh, the Fetcher family is caught by the Cult of Osiris, and they're created a time machine to go back and, you know, pyramids and all of this crazy stuff to destroy the world or whatever 
you know, supervillain people do nowadays. Um, then Venture, uh, Dr. Venture, by the help of um, Dr. Orpheus, uh, escapes their torture room. And then once he finally gets back to the Venture compound, is trying to gather a bunch of tools and stuff like that to get back and save his family. Unfortunately, uh, he and Dr. Orpheus get into an argument of which is better, magic or science. And so, of course, they have to prove this right now. And so they challenge each other to be be the, the smallest that they can be, one using science and the other using magic. And so to come back at 8 p.m. that night and try to be the, sm- the smallest man is the biggest man. And so uh, Dr. Venture goes and recruits Pete White and Billy Kua's boy, and then Dr. Orpheus goes to his master to get more information and all of that. Meanwhile, back in the House of Mummies, everything is going terribly wrong, but Brock is somehow managing to get stuff done. Well, because there's two of them. <laughs> there's two of them, and then they find Edgar Allan Poe, and uh, yeah, they kind of just grind for <laughs> like 25 minutes. Pretty awesome. And then there's a part three. Uh, and so, yeah, so there we go. Which I kind of wish we'd see at some point, but I understand that's not the way this show works. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the end of this episode has a great moment of, you know, the entry to part three, but yeah. I kind of wish we saw part one, too. Yeah, I, part yeah. one looked insane, and, like, there's no way you could only get <laughs> that much stuff in 22 minutes. But, you know, that's okay. Um, yeah. What's I've the- got a question. I've got a question about part one. Oh, shoot. It, it makes no sense, right? Like, there's tons of continuity problems, or is this just me? I mean, that's part of the joke, I think. <laughs> yes, okay. I, I just wanted to clarify, because for some reason it never stood out to me until I was watching it, and I was like, wait, this doesn't make any sense at all. Like, this isn't even, like, a recap. These are, like, just disparate, funny scenes, which makes sense, but, like, the, clearly that this is just the joke, that it has no rhyme or reason for the scenes that it has but you could make the same argument throughout the episode whenever we cut back to them in the pyramid it's like what the fuck is happening well Um, i think that i think that's because they're using a time machine and that's why it it creates its own paradoxes so that makes sense i think on the episode's chronology it makes sense but out of like the segments and moments that we are we are shown it doesn't make any sense whatsoever Yes, yes. Okay, that makes sense. Because they have the the thing that stood out to me as being very weird was they were like, we're going to have to kill the perfect man. And then like a few scenes or a few bits montage-wise later, there's the perfect man again. And you're just like, (laughs) what the fuck is happening? But it's great. I just never occurred to me until we were, I was watching it with like a critical eye to like look for stuff. And I was like, I can't make heads or tails of this anymore. Like, when I turned my brain off and just watched it, it was great. But now that I'm trying to think about it, I, I just don't know what's happening. I love the but idea. Yeah, I that, think you're right. Like, if Jackson Public and Doc Hammer were to listen to this episode and go, he tried to figure out what was going on? <laughs> like, why? I, I really did. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just imagining Nick in his apartment, just like with little pictures and scenes and like red, <laughs> red yarn and pins and stuff. You're like, man, if it, wait, okay. If this went to here, and then, wait, where's the perfect man now? Ah, it just doesn't make sense. Oof. You were so close. Instead of packing, <laughs> this is what I was doing. 
Uh, but what's the hot take around the table? Do we like this one? I love it. I think it's great. Nick? Yeah. I, I really love it. This is the, I think, the first episode that I watched that really... A, it confused me because yeah. I had the DVDs and I was like, did I skip an episode? <laughs> like, what? I still and, do that. Yeah. And <laughs> did I skip one? Even... And it seems like I missed a crazy episode. I don't think I would have forgotten yeah. any of this. <laughs> exactly. I totally would have remembered this. I feel like this would have really resonated with me in some way. <laughs> but I, I think that that was the... And the show regularly will do things like that where it surprises you. And I think this is the first time that I was surprised in like a sort of blown away sort of way. Yeah. Whenever I come across this one on a rewatch, cause this is another one of those ones where I kind of forget about it when I'm not like in totally. the rewatch mode. But when I come back to it, this is in my, like, this is high up there for me in season two. Like it's not my favorite one of season two. We might be talking about that one next week. We might not, who knows? Um, but this one would be close to the top just because it's just that perfect level of just like absurdist humor like it's not yes. just the the pyramid stuff either like everything with uh rusty and orpheus is still just insane oh it's great yeah it's i, I think it's definitely the funniest episode of season two i don't know again next it week, might not have overall the best... of that we've seen so far yeah, but I, I mean, I guess for me, it's like it might not have the best jokes of season two, but I think consistently throughout the episode, it has just tons and tons and tons of just like weird stuff. Like just the joke where Brock has got Edgar Allan Poe in a headlock and afterwards he's like, I've always wanted to do that. You're like, how, like, in what way did you always want to do that? Did you open up an Edgar Allan Poe book, look at the liner notes, and see his stupid face, and you were like, man, I'd love to give that guy a headlock. Like, it's so confusing. I mean, the thing is like of, a pumpkin. Yeah, he yeah. kind of says that. He explains it right afterwards. Like, I mean, look at that thing. <laughs> I know, but, like, where did he come across that as in, I've always wanted to do that? How old was he? Was he seven? 27. Yeah. Yeah. Or was this, like, a year-long thing like did he just start getting into poe and he's like i want to put this guy in a headlock <laughs> exactly uh my favorite subplot of the entire pyramid stuff though has to be dean's head yes they never explain how he gets beheaded why he's walking around no. on a mummy like and it's like it's just so commonplace and it's like <laughs> hank get your brother's head like just nobody even cares no yeah and they, there's so much in the episode that they just keep adding on to whenever they keep cutting back to what's happening in the pyramid and every single time it's just like alright I guess Caligula's back I, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> they just keep adding more characters yeah that's incredible including and, a second Brock like <laughs> yeah. yeah who You're has to die I guess because it never comes back Yeah, that or never... is there just a second Brock running loose uh, that would be in part 3 if he does, because there's two of them at the end. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm sure so. he dies in part three. Or he goes back to. to his original timeline. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Honestly, there's no point in us trying to figure it out. It's one it of those there's... who knows, and clearly they don't care because they never mention it. Like, no. Nothing in this episode really ever comes back, I don't think. No, I don't, I don't think so at all. I well, think... You, we ne- mum mum muggy never comes back neither does the perfect man caligula definitely doesn't come back no i'd remember that edgar Allan poe's dead yeah i'm um, just I'm, <laughs> I'm looking through uh our brock's notes and yeah there's like connections the only real connection to anything outside of this is the 
the shrink ray that he sold them in Taxilia it. Yeah. And I think that they have a few other things where it's like the I think the only stuff that ever comes back is outside of the pyramid. Yeah. Because um obviously we see Dr. Orpheus's master again. Yeah. Uh, we see him one more time. We see him more than once. Two more times? We see him, I, think I guess he does come back later in later seasons. Yeah. Um and then uh, that's oh, um, Triana's subplot with the the door itself also comes back. Oh yeah, that's, that's one true. of my that's one of my favorite moments in this episode. I've always been scared of that closet. See, <laughs> why do you think I why do you think I wear the same thing every day? Oh, it's so good. See, for me that that part's always bugged me. My whole life, I've been scared of that closet. You've lived here for like a year and a half. Well. Yes. But yeah. I think that, I think that what she's, uh, I mean, it is a weird one. I agree with Brian. It doesn't yeah. make sense. But I think I mean, that what they're trying to say is exaggerating. But yeah, yeah. I just, but also I think that he he probably has put the closet in her room almost every single time. Yeah, I guess like every time every time they move. But isn't there a line yeah. about like why it had to be in her closet? Like she yeah, had it has to be on the south side. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah, it has to be on the south side. And since you needed the private bathroom, this is what happened. <laughs> so unless yeah. that's happened every time they've moved somewhere, which I guess is possible, I'm calling bullshit on this line. That's and it. It's fair. Venture Brothers sucks. I'm out. I don't know. This I mean, they wow, probably only Brian drew the line. <laughs> <laughs> this was just too much. This was it in this episode. I mean, of... they probably only lived one other place before this because before this they were he was married, right? Yeah, so but she still says that closet. I'm gonna let it go. <laughs> no, but Brian, I think Brian is right. But this is like the the Goliath serum thing for me, where yes. I was like, I just refuse to to back down from this. This makes no sense. Yeah, <laughs> this is Brian's Goliath serum. It really is. <laughs> All right, I forgot right. about the Goliath serum. <laughs> <laughs> How would they know? Uh, it doesn't matter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like that moment because it does show. Like, I think it's the first time that you kind of see Doctor Orpheus frustrated with Triana. I think because he's like wrapped up in this whole thing with Doctor Venture, where he's just like he puts her to sleep. <laughs> Which is absurd. And then I, I think we've seen him up frustrated with her before, but we've never seen him to the point where it's like, oh god, just just go away. Like, cause I <laughs> yeah. think we've seen a lot of the like, uh, the like like a uh, parent frustrated, you know, like where it's sure, like I love you through gritted teeth, like I will do anything. But this is the first time where he snaps, and it's just like, oh my god, just fuck off for a minute. I need to go in your closet. Exactly. <laughs> um. It's John Benjamin. Amazing. Uh, he's Incredible. Always amazing. And like that's the problem is that he's always amazing and he's always the same character to a extent. Like Bob and Archer and this. They're all kind of similar in their own way. But this yep. might be my favorite one of all of them. A hundred percent. Like this is my first introduction to him as a like as, as an a, actor at as all. A voice. Yeah. I yeah. guess. I think so too, like chronology, like of my of my life, like looking yeah. at this stuff. Yeah, I think so. When did What Hot American Summer come out? Um, that was two thousand one, around so, this time or before. Yeah, it was before. But so, I never, I never realized that the can was H. John Benjamin. I mean, until I did, 
I knew the can was one of my favorite characters, but I didn't know, like, I never put, like, who is this comedic actor to it, but that was probably my first, like, man, it's weird that in this very funny movie, my favorite thing is a talking can of soup. Or vegetables, sorry. <laughs> but that just speaks to H. John Benjamin. Like, he's so good. And, like, he has nothing to do in this episode, really, other than just be a three-headed dog, but he's so fucking funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like just the- and even with this, we cut back and you know cut away and cut back to like this lesson that Doctor Orpheus is supposed to be learning, and we're like, what, what is this lesson? Like he's learning that he is small already. I don't know. I guess yeah. I never really picked up on it because I'm always just kind of distracted by like the three-headed dog of it all. Like it, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah. And all of the dog moments with the leg kicking and the exactly like no matter what stuff. they're talking about, they take me out of it so hard with comedic beats, and it's like it's not a problem; it's a very good problem to have. But I'm like, if you were just yeah. saying anything important, you totally lost me with the, oh man, he's just licking, he's just licking my crotch right now. It feels so good. Downside is I can taste it. I'm tasting my crotch. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what the. Le- I mean, I guess the lesson is is that the end of the day both of them feel small emotionally but Mm. they're not small physically but that's a weird lesson for it's just belittling dr orpheus the whole time that's the whole thing it's just talking down to him and making him feel bad for his failed marriage but isn't that what he kind of always does like he even shows up once like as his like as his hot sexy wife just to prove that like you can't have her like it's the Master's kind of a dick to Orpheus. Like, clearly he's, like, going totally. for tough love. Like, I don't think it's, like, malicious, but he's kind of an ass. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's... He, yeah. He loves him, for sure, because he says that he's his best pupil. But... Yeah. He definitely says his biggest problem is his ego and his, you know, his full-of-himself-ness and trying to win and save the world and all that. It's like, yeah, and then when you would turn off, then you would just become... Mr. Rogers, and then do some other crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, so. Um, I do like the subplot of... Uh, we started it back in the beginning of the season with uh, the boys being clones, but I do like that subplot of magic versus science. That's kind of like a running theme between uh, Rusty and Orpheus, because it's... Uh, and they never really settle that argument. Like, they constantly... I think that's why they're never as good of friends as Orpheus wishes they were. Yes, because yeah. no, no. I do love this argument. Yeah, and I, yeah. I do love that we keep going back to it because I mean, especially, and we've talked about it before. It's like we either usually get one or the other. Like in this fantasy world, like stuff that we watch, it's either you know ghosts and paranormal and you know other or magic and all this other stuff like Lord of the Rings or whatever. And then you've got you know science fiction, and then they go full bore onto that. You rarely, if never get them in the same thing and especially in this where they actually go head to head of like all right let's try to become the smallest person yeah (laughs) it's incredible and i I love that they both fail like it's like the one thing that nobody can figure out other than they they really fuck up billy quiz boy like (laughs) yeah like (laughs) i have never tasted the flower (laughs) oh my god what are you can we talk about that that whole situation because i I think we have it's amazing (laughs) i i I have i have definitely gone on record to say that i think pete white is a terrible 
terrible human being. Oh, absolutely. So is Rusty. And then both of them combined taking shots at what is arguably one of the few good human beings in the show is <laughs> <Yes>. incredible. <laughs> they are so mean. Like, it is... Like, it never occurred to me until I watched it recently and I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> the worst. They shrink his lungs and then Rusty just, like, unleashes this, like, hellish fart. <laughs> I can't breathe. Oh, just wait. It'll be to you soon. <laughs> you shrug my lungs. The guilty pleasure thing also just like makes me so sad. Oh, especially I'm with the so uncomfortable. The, the, the re- revelation later that he is a virgin. It's just like this is the saddest. That, oh my god. Billy does not have a good time in this episode. Like he just no. gets screwed no. over. I love like the like this super big version of him and like oh it looks like Toby Maguire hulked out. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh. But, but you do kind of you have to feel for him a little bit because it's like these are his best friends. Yeah. yeah. Like these horrible people are his best friends and like I I love Pete White whenever he shows up but like I would never want to spend any time with him ever because he's just the worst. But. What does it say, like, when you're that bad, when you say your best friend is Rusty Venture? It's like, oh, God. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine. And this, You don't get to see it very often. Like, the two of them actually being friends, or actually Rusty being friends with really anyone but Brock, you rarely yeah. get to see. So it's kind of nice to have that little reprieve. For sure. I actually think that, like, one of the strengths of this season, we've talked about it a few times in a few different episodes, is their pairings. We talked about it with Brock and Phantom Limb. They, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like, the chemistry they had together was incredible. Then the chemistry that you have with the three of them is great. It's a it's an amazing dynamic that works really, really well, in spite of the fact that Billy has to take every shot <laughs> in the entire episode. Oh, poor Billy Quizboy. Oh. And especially, and then it, like, oh. his one request of, like, let me go, like, find a hooker or something. Just anything before you start firing experimental lasers at my head. And they're like, oh. I vote the virgin. Seconded. Let's do this. Like, yeah. fuck. God. And, and I then, don't even consider it murder since you haven't been, you, you haven't lived. So <laughs> it's basically just a very late abortion. You're like, oh, oh mother fuck. <laughs> and then at the end of the episode... Billy's like, you're the reason I became a boy scientist. You're like, this guy? <laughs> this monster? Oh my god. But realistically, realistically, no, not this guy. It was yes. the kid. It was yep. Rusty Venture. It yep. was exact I mean, if you I mean you you look at the box and you look at the you know, the face of Rusty on the pterodactyl and all of that, and yes, that is Billy Quizboy, that inquisitive, that full yep. of light, full of wonder, you know, having the time of time of his life, really. I mean, that's kind of what the rest of the show is, is that the time of Rusty's or Dr. Venture's life was the best when his dad was around, really. And now yeah. this is him just trying to, you know, compile together a life that's kind of worth living. And, yeah, I mean, so that's that's the boy... That Billy Quizboy, you know, admires is that full of light kid, not this (laughs) 
terribly broken monster man that is now <laughs> shirking his lungs. <laughs> yes. But I do think he still admires Rusty in a way. Like, he might not be looking up to him as a hero anymore. Yeah. But, but like, it's, well, it's, tough. Still, yeah. it's really tough for Billy to take off the rose-colored glasses when he looks at Rusty. Yeah. I, I think, honestly, it's hard for a lot of people to take off those rose-colored glasses because everyone just looks at Rusty and either sees one of two things. They either see him as a boy adventurer or his dad. Yeah. It's like either it's the name, it's one or the other, his first or his last name, and that's who people mm. see. Hmm. Yeah, like, interesting. Because you kind of get that throughout the majority of the show, all the way up to like season six and seven, like where he kind of has to start taking over for uh, uh, JJ. But like up until then, it, people give him respect based on who he is, not on what he is, because he is horrible. But everyone yes. still kind of loves him because his dad was super impressive and he was a boy adventurer. So it's kind of a, a fun yeah. thing. And it really explains why Billy's and, there the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And in this universe, I mean, who else do they have? Action Johnny? Yeah. Like, it's like, isn't he I don't still, think there's anybody else. Isn't he still Johnny Quest at this point? Is he Action Johnny yet? Yeah. He's still Johnny Quest. Yeah. He doesn't turn okay. He turns to turn to Jack, Action Johnny for another few episodes. Okay. Um, but still. It's yeah, still, no, I, I think we should still, still call him Action Johnny. Cause oh, that's, <laughs> it's such a better yeah. name. <laughs> yes. Uh, but no, totally. Like y- Your heroes are few and far between, and most of them are addicted <laughs> to drugs. So I guess we have Rusty. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it, like, he's not, yeah, he's terrible, but he's not the worst. But he's Rusty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a, a good future joke. Um, I have one uh, one moment I want to bring up. Can we talk it? about the we we need to talk about the opening montage because I do think it's one of the strongest parts of the episode because uh, it's just so out of nowhere. Or are we going to talk about it later? No, I, I'd say this would be a good point because I, I think we're kind of circling the drain of what to talk about. And uh, if we got to talk about the opening moment, we got to talk about my favorite line in this entire thing because it's not a pop culture reference. At least I don't think it is, so I can throw it in here. Uh, yes, this is also my shameless reason to bring it up. Oh my! I, I hope we have the same moment. But when you have the, he's firing the gun at Brock, and then he throws the gun after him, and just looks up. <laughs> you know, I have more bullets. I know. It just looks so cool. <laughs> well, go get well, it. Well, go get it. <laughs> yeah. This is, I think, one of the first times we bonded over this show was talking about that moment. Uh, Mine is actually, I think, right after that, where the guy has the axe over uh, what is, I'm assuming, an unconscious Dean and Hank, and he's like, give me the hand of Osiris, and Rusty just responds with, give me head. And he's just like, (laughs) what? You you need to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to to kill your sons. Get in line. Join the club. Get in line. (laughs) Is it join uh, the club or get let's join in club? <laughs> join the club. Yeah. Join the club. Yeah. It's it's when I first heard that I was like, how did they get away with putting that on TV? <laughs> like I am so shocked. Uh, and it is so disarming. Like I honestly feel like it's one of those moments where if I was that guy about to kill two of this guy's sons and he was just said, Give me head, I would just be like, I give up. I, I don't know what to do about this at all. That's what oh, I mean. Good. Like, as much as I love this episode, I still kind of wish we saw part one. Like, I know, <laughs> I know it wouldn't make sense because clearly it doesn't make sense. But the parts that you see are just so good. Yes. Yeah. I would. I would really love to spend. Yeah, all three parts in 
this yeah. escape to the House of Mummies because it's it's an it's great and even Doctor Orpheus is you know jumps into it of you know using Dean's using... erection as a divining rod. Oh my god! <laughs> Think of making out with my daughter. She's using her tongue. <laughs> It's so That's gross. It's such like... a weird episode. It's such a weird episode. <laughs> it's also got like something that they clearly knew didn't quite work, but they were gonna do it anyway, which is like fill the mouth with hot oil. And he's like, I thought you said hot voil. And you're just like, it's like a Norm McDonald joke. This doesn't really make sense, but okay. What do you mean boil? It's like a sheer cloth. I put some in the dryer. <laughs> what the hell? That's uh, so weird. Look, that's the worst henchman ever in a show of nothing but bad henchmen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then I, I love if it's either before that or immediately after it. I, I'm assuming it's Osiris. He's like, and now I've got. Oh wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, there's spit everywhere. <laughs> oh, and it smells like a wet cat. Ugh. <laughs> uh. It's yeah. so good. It, it is the it's weirdest like, episode, but it's so like everything just works. It's one of those like it, it's like that's why we're all into this show. Like one of those like none of this should work. It all totally does. Yes. Um Yeah. Do we want to move into pop culture references? Yeah. Is it that time? I think it's that time. It's that time for me. Alright. Uh I'm gonna go first because mine I didn't even really consider it a pop culture reference until I was looking at Brock's notes, and I'm like, oh, no, Brock's right. It was a pop culture reference, and it fucking kills me every time. Uh, when they find Dean's severed head, just sitting there talking, about like, Dean, what happened? Yeah, Clarissa, explain it all. Yes. <laughs> I use that all the time in my head. <laughs> it's so good. And I, I was stuck between that and another one, but if you guys don't talk about the other one, then I'll, I'll mention that one as well. But go ahead. Uh, I think I'll... I think I might know what the, the next one is, but um, this is technically in part three at the very end of the episode um, when I think Hank is in Brock's arms, freezing to death because they're out. In yeah, okay, this is my other one. Perfect. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm gonna die. And then, is it Poe? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Brock says to Brock to cut Poe open. Because apparently he has died, and so cut his, the uh, his corpse open, and he's gonna stuff Hank inside him just to keep him warm. And so he does. So Brock slices him open. He's like, "Oh God, I thought they smelled bad on the outside." <laughs> Obviously, a reference to Star Wars, but I just thought, "Oh my God, what a what a crazy way to bring that in here." It's oh, so good. Edgar Allan Poe open to shove Hank inside of him into freezing wherever the hell they are now. I love it's it. It's great. It's so good. All right, Nick, what about uh, you? Mine, I would just say, is Caligula. <laughs> it's not quite pop culture, but it, it definitely is pulled from the awful 70s movie. It's just it's just Caligula. Caligula <laughs> being revolting, and that's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, okay, great, he was a disgusting person. When they try to team Caligula up with somebody, like, yeah, oh, never mind. <laughs> Brock's like, never mind, Caligula's with me and me. And then, the other, then Scuba Brock comes up. 
I think he even told Caligula to take the whole second wave by himself. Yep. <laughs> Probably. Imagine, like, what a nightmare. I mean, like, we didn't really get to talk about it, but briefly, imagine what a nightmare it must have been for the whole thing. Like, it, it, it must have, nothing must have made sense. Oh, I mean, it's great. That's what. And Brock must, Brock must have been so pissed off. Brock like, loses it is... so early. Like, beyond, like, before Caligula and Edgar Allan Poe and everything, when the mummy's head falls off is where he loses <laughs> it. This is getting stupid! <laughs> I think the episode ends with him like screaming to the heavens, "Doc!" So I think he's still upset. Yep. I think it even starts like when we when we jump in and they're in the the, the closing room with the spikes and everything. I think at that point he's really starting to lose it. Yes. Because you know, Rusty is like, I, I mean, I don't know. There's really nothing we can do. We can't t- call. I don't want to t- call Doctor Orpheus. And so Brock's like, okay, all right, boys, line yourselves up. Stick your heads where <laughs> where those spikes are. So no point bleeding to death. <laughs> Great. Oh, it's so good. Um, all right, well, I think it's time for plugs. Or actually, yeah, it's time for plugs. Uh, I will go first. Mine's the obvious one. It's an easy one. After the hype. Uh, before to ch- be sure to check us out there. The uh, next two episodes we have that we're recording soon are a uh, battle episode in honor of the new Venom movie coming up of all spin-off movies. Movies that have been spun mm. off of other franchises. Uh, and then we have A Quiet Place, which will be an entire Ooh. episode of Silence. <laughs> I'm kidding. It won't it's, be. It'll be about as riveting as the actual movie. Hey, yeah. I liked A Quiet Place, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it too, yeah. But I think it's funny. I saw Hereditary after it, and I was like, I think Hereditary is more quiet than quiet places i have not seen it yet i need to see it that's pretty good that's what i've heard uh nick you still plugging that game yep uh i i was working on assassin's creed odyssey which is coming out soon so pick it up do we that's it pick it up and buy it or just like pick it up and put it back down and leave. yeah no you could probably just pick it up and take a look at it and go (laughs) Yeah, this the cellophane's pretty interesting. And then just put it back. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Graham, you plugging anything these days? Uh, I, I'm currently on a podcast, uh, the Venture Brothers, Venture Brothers podcast. Oh, pretty, oh, that sounds cool. like a good podcast. I love that show. Yeah. Huh. It's all about uh, the Venture Brothers. Uh, huh. Never heard of yeah. it. We're, we're currently in season two. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Venture Brothers in season two or your shows in season two? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Can't wait to listen to it. Uh, uh, I'm just going to say bye. That seems like the best thing to do, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. Bye! Bye! bye.